Martha goes outside to Peter's house. Petey? Huh? Are you okay? I don't think I am, Mama. What is happening inside that head of yours? The president just showed up out of nowhere. Am I making that up? No, Petey, he's here. He wrote us a letter when Benny... Is that why he's here? No, honey. President Bush wrote you that letter. That was 16 years ago. Oh, right. I get confused. Sometimes it's like... Like it was yesterday. He's not here to be my friend, is he, Mama? If it gets him what he wants. And he wants to take my guns. Yes, he does. I've already lost so much, Mama. Too much, sweetheart. My guns are all that I've got left. You should at least go and hear him out. Okay then, Mama. Martha and Peter go into her house. Look who I found. Pete! Perfect timing. Uh, We were just about to take on the greatest mystery of the universe. Donald Trump? Even better. The Second Amendment. Oh, please, God, not that again. Hank? Yes, Martha? Pete here says that Katie has been here. Oh? Yes, turns out Peter is seeing her again. Oh. Is that right, Pete? It is. But I thought you said we'd seen the last of her. Uh, Katie, is she your wife? She is. Uh, Well, I'd like to meet her. I'd like that, Mr. President, but she's... Well, we're working some things out. Well, so are your father and I. Now, Hank, uh, what's it going to take for me to leave here with that rifle? The phrase, pry it out of my cold, dead hands, comes to mind. It comes out of his mouth about every 15 minutes. Well, if that's what it takes. Joking. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, why don't we have ourselves a nice little chat about the Second Amendment? Ah, Jesus, fuck anything but this. I'll start. Hank, I say the Constitution has been the subject of one of the greatest acts of fraud against the American public in history. The NRA kidnapped the Second Amendment six decades ago. Card-carrying member. Oh, so you're a constitutionalist? Actually, I consider myself a constructionist. And what is that, exactly? It means a loyal adherence to the text exactly as it is written. So, no room for interpretation? Not for a constructionist. Keeps it simple. For example, you'll notice there's nothing in the Constitution that calls for, say the federal government to control health care or hanging chads or to legalize abortion. Touche. So if the framers of the Constitution didn't say it 240 years ago... Then it was an issue intended to be taken up by the state. Hank, do you know that a hundred people die by guns in America every single day? I have read that. A lot of them are in Illinois. I believe that's your home state. I think that you know it is. Toughest gun laws of any state in the country, and yet your state is somehow the murder capital of the USA. And that may be because most of the people in Illinois get their guns from right next door in Indiana. Between you and me, Hank, you can get a gun in Indiana for farting out loud. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Mr. President, I haven't seen this stately side of you on CNN. I'll bet. Don't even try to tell me that you watch CNN. Okay, you got me. Just making an observation about how well states' rights is working out when it comes to guns. Well, that is what the Constitution calls for. And you think the Constitution is sacred? Like the holy word of God. So, Hank, if the Constitution is a perfect document, why have we amended it 27 times? I mean, the actual Constitution doesn't say a word about the right to bear arms. It, that, that didn't come until four years later in the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights don't negate the Constitution. They complete it. But if the original document was never meant to be the subject to further revision, then why did we need the Bill of Rights in the first place? Why did God send his only begotten son to rewrite the Old Testament? Hey, that, that's a pretty good analogy. Well, thank you. If you happen to be a Christian. Fortunately for me. And for all those millions of Americans who are not. Well, they're just lucky to be the beneficiaries, I guess. I guess. I realize it's not popular to be a Christian among you progressives, Mr. Obama. What, you don't think I can be both? Let me answer your question with a question, Mr. President. What's the difference between a Christian fundamentalist and a spotted owl? I can't imagine. Still a federal crime to kill a spotted owl. <laughs> That's funny. Now look at us. We're talking this out like friends. With all due respect, it's unlikely we will ever be friends. Okay, how about... Like fellow Americans. Well, I'm not entirely convinced we are fellow Americans, Barack, but uh, sure, let's give it a try. So, are you a proponent of all of the amendments? Yes, although I take a rather dim view when the Supreme Court takes a crack at interpreting their meanings on my behalf. I'm guessing that would be number 14. That would be number 14. Stop! Now, folks... I am sorry to interrupt our story here, but believe me, I am doing you a favor. I have to warn you that these two are going to go on like this for some time. I'm not joking. For like 16 hours. What? And they haven't even started on the Second Amendment. Oh, shoot me now. And let's face it, none of us wants to listen to these two argue for the next 16 hours. Yeah, I've sat through filibusters that were more fun than this. Well, I thought they both made some good points in rehearsal. Some very good points. Uh, but we only have 37 minutes until we have to be out of the building. So, I'm sorry, but we're going to cut the next, um... Uh, well, 432 pages. The hell? Then why did I even bother to memorize I'll, them? I'm calling my agent. Well, if we really are taking a break here, I'm just going to run off and go pee. I'll be right back. That really does seem unfair. I mean, the playwright went to a lot of trouble to look up all those numbers, like the one about 30,000 gun deaths last year. Oh, I, I already said that. Oh, really? Mm, I missed that. Yeah, that. That's because people tune out whenever you bring data into a political conversation. Oh, that's so true. Mm. You have your facts, I have mine. I already said it. You said you have your truth, and I have mine. Mm. Nitpicking. I didn't get to say that 77% of all gun deaths are suicides. I mean, that's you. We ought to be talking more about mental health, frankly. Or that among right. African Americans, 82% of all gun deaths are homicides. Mm -hmm. Dude, dude, did you, did you seriously just play the race card? Uh, 
If you smelt it, I dealt it. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh okay. We'll, we'll smell this. Um, an unarmed person of color is shot by the police every 28 hours in this country, motherfucker. Ooh. All right. Oh. Listen, we're Just burning smell. good They're time right now, so let's get chopping. Well, if you cut the next scene, you cut the whole reason for doing the play in the first place. She's right. Something has to go. Well, then by all means... Let's talk a little more about constellations. <laughs> I like the whole Benny and Jenna thing. It's tragic. It's blatant audience manipulation. No, it's mm. just easier to make an audience think about a political issue when you let them develop a human connection with the characters. Mm. Nobody gives a damn about statistics. Well, here's a stat you should all give a damn about. Do you realize 12 people have died from guns somewhere in America just since we started this play? Jesus. Oh, wow. Let's just... Not forget why we're here. Well, then what are we going to do? Uh, let's compromise. Let's just quickly run through the major talking points. We've got a big finish to get to. I've got a Zoom meeting. It's fine. Okay. Now, if I recall, Hank made an effective point about equal protection under the law. Go. I don't take issue with equal protection under the law, Mr. Obama. Like I said... I take issue with how the court has interpreted its application. But we've all heard this before on the radio or in a bar, and chances are... You tuned it out. We know we aren't going to change a single mind today. Yeah, that's a given. And that's kind of the whole point, in case you missed it. Well, if you're going to give Hank equal protection, then you got to give me the Patriot Act. Oh, I wouldn't be too cocky about that one. Oh, I'm feeling very cocky, old man. Check this. Take me to church... I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. Okay, I don't get the reference. It's a popular song, dear, on the radio. Not on KOA, the 50,000-watt blowtorch it isn't. All right, let's skip to the Patriot Act. Hank, when President Bush signed the Patriot Act, after 9-11, the Republican Congress stood with him and said, we are willing to give up some of our personal freedoms if that will make this a safer country. But now that very same far right is saying... There will be no infringing upon our rights, period. And the only thing that's changed is the guy in the White House. That's not adherence to a principle, Hank. That's adherence to a party. Well, that's an excellent point, Mr. Obama. Except for the persnickety fact that you have only made the Patriot Act tougher. We weren't spying on American citizens under Bush. That's on you. Speed it up. James Madison. Watch list. Tyranny. Warren Burger. Search and seizure. John Paul Stevens. You want me to join your militia because of the Chinese? You see, when you jump around like this, it just, some of this is not going to make any sense. Oh, I say that thing about when China invades the United States, I'm going to want you to have that AK-47. AR-15. AR-15 in your hands. Oh, okay, now I understand what that line means. Tick-tock. You can't just completely skip over the whole militia thing. Why not? The militia argument has not changed one single mind ever. True, but the ending makes no sense without it. Well, to be honest, I don't know how I feel about that ending anyway. Ooh. It does require a significant suspension of disbelief. To make a larger point. That's what theater does. Now on with the militia thing. And Martha, go get some Funyuns. Who died and made you, Hank? Go! The bottom line is this, Mr. President. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Ah, yes. The linchpin of the Second Amendment. That is my constitutional right, Mr. President. And you know what they say about a right. What's that? A right not exercised is 
a wish. Okay, I, I don't get it. Oh, for crying out. Okay, how about you must exercise your rights to keep them fit? Okay, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, M Michelle would love that. I imagine she might. Uh, but you know, uh, the sentence actually reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So? So, first off, it's not even a grammatically correct sentence. That's reason enough to change it right there. Its meaning is unmistakable. Oh, is it? It is to me. It, so tell me, Hank, are you a member of a well-regulated militia? I am a member of the Elks, the Knights of Columbus, and the Silver Bullet Shooting Range, so yes. Yeah, but are you a member of my militia? I voted for Romney, so no, I'd have to say not. Well, uh, that's a problem then, because, like it or not, I'm the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Army, and the Constitution says that in order for you, Hank, to keep and bear arms, then you must be a member of a militia, and, and not just any militia, my militia. I don't believe the Constitution mentions you by name. So what do you say, Hank? Join my militia? It's called the National Guard. No, I can't join your militia. And why not? Because what if it's you I'm preparing to fight against? Well, then that's a huge problem, Hank, because that's where you surrender your Second Amendment rights. Bada bing. I surrender nothing. Bada boom. Fourteen minutes. Well, hell, why are we even doing this? But I ain't changing my mind. Not now, not ever. Let oh, it go. My God. Talking to you people is like fishing for gold in a bucket of mud. Now, now, you people? Uh, Jesus, arguing the sanity of 240-year-old gun laws with you, Hank, is, is like telling the Yankees and the Dodgers that they have to play the World Series by rules from baseball in 1860. Well, just like baseball, someone has to win, someone has to lose. It's the way of the world. I'm telling you, Hank, history is never kind to those who cling to it. If we can't come to some common-sense compromise, history isn't going to be kind to either one of us. Well, lucky for me, history will never know who I am. Yeah, lucky for you. That's it. You two aren't getting anywhere. You know what, kid? You're right. Let's get back to Peter's story. It breaks my heart. Well, we'll have to explain what happened to Jenna first so we can say what happened to Katie so we can understand what's going on with Pete. Well, let's get on with it then. Do I have to do everything? Psst, say your line. <clears throat> Grandma? Yes, Benny? Jenna hasn't come by in a long time. Have you noticed? Honey, I thought I told you. Her parents say she ran away. What? Is she okay? Oh, you know Jenna. She always comes back. Don't you worry. The reasons Jenna was sleeping in America the Beautiful Park that night are complicated and contradictory. I mean, she ran away from a well-to-do home and an occasionally loving family. And yet, on that night, she felt more at home among the homeless and the vagrants. I don't know if God exists, but if he does, he hasn't been keeping a very close eye on America the Beautiful at night. He sure didn't notice that man hiding behind the statue of the Virgin Mary just Waiting for the next unlucky girl to pass. Waiting for Jenna. 
I know. It's coming from ATB. A 16-year-old runaway was assaulted by a man just outside of a church on the outskirts of America the Beautiful Park. Police say he shot the victim twice and that she died clinging to the open arms of a blood-stained statue of the Virgin Mary. Bang. Bang. The victim was identified as... Jenna. Katie? Mommy? Benny. Wait, so I never got to meet Jenna? No, dear, that was just the product of your hopeful imagination. Right. In my hopeful imagination, Jenna looked up to the night sky and saw Cassiopeia, who kicked off the ropes that tied her to her throne and called upon her father Poseidon to rain down cleansing torrents upon America the beautiful park, sweeping that drifter and his gun into the sewer. And Jenna was safe. My Andromeda. And my hopeful imagination can just go fuck right off. Oh, my sweet boy. Mother, do you think ten months counts? Counts for what? For a life, I mean. I don't know. That night. That fucking night. The night the boy moved up to the roof. And I was right behind you. Kitty runs outside and climbs onto the roof. Peter emerges from his house. Katie? Katie, where are you? Katie is on the front of the roof, but only Peter and Benny can see her. It's February 19th, 2002. My goodbye book. Katie throws her journal from the roof. Peter retrieves it and reads silently along with her. My sweet Peter, I know this seems selfish, but I am letting go so that you can move on. My body may be alive, but my heart, it died with Benny. I know the nights are harder for you, but to me, being awake is living death. At least at night, I can dream of being with my son. Then, the cruelness of morning proves the imagination a liar, but you can still find someone else, Peter, someone who can give you more children. You deserve the world, my love, and this is the only way I can give it to you. Just know that I am not leaving you because you are not enough for me. I am leaving you because I am not enough for you. I am broken, my sweet, and I can't be fixed. Not now, not ever. Please, go back to what's happening inside. No, Benjamin, we can't skip over this part, and you can't change the outcome. Then do it and be done with it. I had a dream last night where I was waiting for a taxi in the dead of night, and when it stopped for me, I felt this bump from behind, and it was you, Petey. We didn't, we didn't know each other in the dream, and so you said sorry to me very nicely, like you do, but then you jumped into the taxi and you sped away, leaving me there alone. So I looked down and there, there was a rat by my feet. Hey, look, now, there are two more rats, and I, I don't know if there were really were any rats at all, but I saw that there were rats, so I kicked at those rats and I yelled, Hey, wait, Peter, you, you don't get to leave first. Mommy, no. And then I heard birds overhead crying out in the night, and I said to the bird, Go to sleep, you stupid fucking birds. Don't you know what time it is? And then this one really evil-looking crow circles over my head, taunting me. Don't you know what day it is? And I say, Of course, I know what fucking day it is. It's August 3rd! Happy fucking birthday to me! Please, don't act surprised, Peter. On the day I found out I was pregnant, I told you. No, I swore to you. If anything ever happens to this baby, 
I'm on the next bus out of here. I get to leave first. Katie, where did you go? The date is August 3rd, 2002. The shot came from my parents' bedroom in Colorado Springs, Colorado. <laughs>